Good morning to you, Dan Coward from Elkina Wine. Good morning, Simon. How are you going? Going well, mate. Thank you. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, you've uh, got a, you're involved in a in a brand new project, a brand new winery there. Sell it all opened in October, and uh, all very exciting. So I'm I'm excited to get over and, and visit, um, especially after uh, exploring the story. But uh, so I'm keen to for you to set the scene for us. Um, and, and give us a little bit of background because I think part of your the beauty of your story is the is the you know the ownership um, you know the, the people behind it and that sort of thing and uh, and then um, Pedro Para who uh, you can explain his role um, yeah. in the process so um, yes yeah, tell us about Elkina wine well I guess going back to the beginning uh, um, Alejandro Bulgaroni bought the vineyard in 2015 and um, Alejandro is a Argentinian businessman and vintner and has a number of um, wine estates and vineyards around the world. Uh, he has um, one in Napa and one in Uruguay, Bodega Garzon, which is um, near where he lives, uh, a couple in Argentina uh, and a couple in Tuscany um, and one in Bordeaux. So he's um, invested heavily in, in wine and agriculture um, in the last few years. And uh, he had worked with Emilia Nolan, who is the managing director of Alkina, mm-hmm. in, in one of those Argentinian projects um, called Argento. And um, when Emilia moved back to um, Australia, they worked together to find a site uh, for him to start his, his uh, Barossa journey um, he came over, he loved the, the area, he loved the food and wine culture, uh, and um, together they settled on um, this beautiful site just on the outskirts of uh, Greenock mm-hmm. uh, and bought it in 2015. Um, so it was, a, it was an existing vineyard, but it had sort of um, been neglected a little, hadn't it? Well, it, it, it was an existing vineyard, and it, it probably wasn't in the very best condition, um, and so, in a way, that was a lovely um, blank canvas almost to start um, from scratch. And uh, it meant that um, we could farm it uh, organically from day one uh, and that it, was, it seemed to be set up and ready to go. And we're lucky in the Barossa that, that we have um, a climate that really allows you to get into organics um, in, in quite quickly. And so that was farmed organically from, from the first day and certified in 2018. So it's certified organic and biodynamic and I guess the health of the soil and the makeup of the vineyard in terms of the, the, the rocks, which is, refers to what Pedro's been doing with us, um, is pretty central to, to the whole Alkina story. Yeah, and so, you're, so the basic um, uh, or the, the main philosophy is is expressing the the site isn't it and and you know what the soil is um is imparting in different parts of the vineyard and that sort of thing and and really keeping it as as like the intervention as minimal as possible from a from a viticulture side of things so um yeah so it's it's understanding um you know what you've got on what parts of the vineyard and and how they behave yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, um, approach, I think. And I, um, I came on board in 
July last year, and and so I haven't been there all the way through, but I was immediately just blown away by the depth um, to which Amelia and the team uh, had gone in trying to understand uh, their vineyard. So um, this this French word terroir, which we we all know and love, in it. It talks about somewhereness, you know, how how those that specific place is important, um, and we um, we wanted to learn as quickly as we could about our place um, and about the, the very uh, varied um, composition of the soil and the rocks beneath the surface. And we're looking at some of the oldest um, vineyard land and soil in the world, um, so you know, six to 700 million years old. And what that gives you is tremendous variation, not just from one vineyard to the next, but from one row to the next. Um, and so it's a fairly in- involved job of trying to understand that. And um, we worked with Pedro to map the vineyard out, starting with small parts, because it's a, it's a sizable vineyard. It's 43 hectares planted um, and 60 hectares in total. Uh, so it's, there's, there's plenty of, of vineyard there, but we started in, in the oldest part, which was planted in um, the early 1950s, uh, which we call the Old Quarter. And Pedro and his um, couple of his team uh, from Chile, they, they came over and did something called electromagnetic conductivity mapping, which sends, they, they sort of walk between the rows with a machine, which sends down um, electromagnetic pulses um, to two different depths and assesses what's below the ground in terms of the, the, the hardness of the rock or the softness of the soil. Mm-hmm. And with this map, it looks a bit like a heat map, um, and where you have sort of hard blue areas, that is suggesting that there is there's dense rock there. So using that map, Pedro was then able to sort of sketch out where he wanted to dig holes, and um, over the course of um, three or four years, they dug 160 soil pits, uh, around the vineyard uh, to map out these these areas, and um, by doing that, um, they were able to discover that uh, in this old quarter we have um, well, first of all, across the vineyard there's a lot of schist, a lot of this metamorphic rock that we love in in viticulture called schist. Um, and so, what what what? How would we for the layman? What what does that look like? Is it flinty, sort of slaty stuff, or what? Yeah, so it's it's. It's like slate. It's 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 a kind of related to slate, um, but it has a it has more of a glint in it, more more micaceous, um, sort of more mica, which looks like shiny little golden dots in your slate, essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's quite similar to slate, um, created in the same way through heat and pressure over a very long period of time, um, and uh, it's it tends to be quite fractured. Um, which is really important um, when you're thinking about the roots getting down yeah. deep into the the bedrock. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's as is in the in a lot of the Barossa, there's um, there's a clay there's a, there's a heavy clay content around different parts of the vineyard. There's a lot of schist in there. Um, there where there are redder parts, you know that there's more iron in that present in that part of the the vineyard. And then I guess what was really surprising was finding. Um, big chunks of limestone in there. And, and it's not often a, a rock that we always think about in terms of the Brossa, um, but we found both windblown limestone, which had arrived, um, I guess, later 
uh, via the air, and also um, limestone bedrock, which has been formed um, over many millions of years. So uh, they, if you can picture a, a three-hectare area split into about 10 oddly shaped um, smaller areas that we call polygons, uh, and then the and then imagine yourself as a, as a grape picker going along a row, reaching a flag, and then you have to stop and then go back over to the next row and go back the other way. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And mm. we pick every polygon separately. Each one sits on um, a different type of soil. Uh, and um, we, it's, it's fascinating. If you can get over this year, we, um, we have uh, four polygons of Grenache that are grown next to each other, um, just, so just a few metres apart in terms of distance. Mm. Uh, and we have them in four concrete eggs. They were picked on the same day. They were, um, we, we used 100% whole bunches in each of the ferments. Um, they've been treated exactly the same throughout their life, and they all taste different. Um, and that is the most visceral way that we can show the impact of these different soils. Yeah. So it's, it's quite fascinating and it, it is very detailed and it's, it's, a, it's a pain for everyone to kind of manage that way. But we think, we think it's really important to, um, to really get to grips with why different things taste different ways. Um, and, uh, and thank you for, for explaining the polygon. Um, one of our, we, we have a, a system here, you can text in a question and uh, I probably should say the number again, 0456 965 965. Uh, Christopher, who is a, a regular listener and, uh, and contributor, he asked exactly that question. So um, to, he wanted to know more about the Polygon wines. So, um, and and so, my takeout from the the research I did was, there's there's no uh, winemaker that you push uh, forward to be, you know, the the hero of the winemaking team. It's it's a team, and then it's the Polygons that and so then everyone's trying to, to work together on the, the wine being the hero and, uh, and, and the differences of the soil uh, and, and being able to, to show that to people when they can come to sell it all. Yes, and, and look, that's an interesting concept for people to get their heads around because we, we, it's quite normal to rely on understanding who the winemaker is and what their style is and, and what their you know, philosophy is. Um, I guess for us, we have very able winemaking um, members of the team, but uh, and we, you know, we ensure that the wines are made to a, a very stringent quality level and lots of um, care around hygiene and the winery, etc. But we're not trying to, like you say, we're not trying to put one one hero forward. We think the vineyard is the hero, and and that that kind of comes into play with when you think about how the wines are made. So we have never had a commercial yeast on the property, so. It's, Everything is fermented wild, um, and we um, have learned over time, over the last few years, um, that oak is not something that we want to get too far into, especially with something like Grenache, which is extremely delicate. Mm -hmm. um, and so we use a lot of concrete for fermentation and a lot of concrete for maturation as well. Um, and, and the theory there is it behaves in a similar way with to oak in that it will impart um, oxygen or air, um, but it will um, 
but it won't actually impart any of the oak characters to that wine. So, exactly. Yeah, it's better than stainless in that that's too tight, whereas yeah. um, you've got to, yeah, okay. And, and there's, a, there's probably just, um, you find uh, um, in that environment where it's less porous than oak, you get a hint of reduction sometimes in the, in the wines, which um, if you think of Grenache being a variety that can give you a lot of expression as a young wine, we want that to sort of unfurl over time. So we don't mind that there's, you can, if you, as long as you're careful in how you, you manage it, there can be a hint of a reduction in the young wine, which, which, which tends to give you longevity with your Grenache. Um, so we really like concrete, and we really want people to think about, so even those um, who come to the tasting room and just want a glass of rosé with a piece of cheese, to those who want to go out in the vineyard and get into a soil pit and get in there with their rock hammer and tap away, we, we really try to, to get everyone who visits and tastes the wine to think about texture and tannin, um, obviously more so with our red wine. But uh, it's, uh, for me, tannin is, is the topic that will become more and more um, exciting and, and widely investigated and understood um, in, this, um, in this market, I think. Because if you think, look at, and I know Melbourne's a great example of where Italian wine um, has exploded in, in the last couple of decades in terms of great wines from, from Chianti or especially Barolo and Barbaresco and trying to understand how tannin isn't something to be scared of. It's not about, um, you know, thinking about, oh, I need 20 years before I can drink this wine. You know, tannin freshens the wine up as a young wine, as long as it's, it's the right sort of tannin. So, you know, we think about fruit tannin, um, and, and that's where the rock really becomes important because we know that we can, we can grow Grenache on schist and on limestone, and those two wines will have a different quality of tannin, mm-hmm. um, but they will both, both have more tannic content and more grit and more um, structure as a young wine than Grenache grown on clay, for example, on deep clay. So uh, it's, it's crucial to what we're trying to do both in the, the winery that we can, we can nurture that tannin through um, and not add lots of oak tannin in, which can be the more drying, stringent tannin that, you know, traditionally you want to age your wine for a long time before you drink it. Yeah. Um, this is a really freshening, mm. bright tannin, which I think people are getting more and more into. Um, and scientists are sort of split in terms of understanding um, whether the mineral content of your soil has anything to do with a, um, a rocky, either flavor or complexion to your wine um, and that the it's a very incredibly complex subject um, and I've never had to get so nerdy about <laughs> geology in my life but it, because you know there's, there's lots of papers saying you it's proven that just because roots um, absorb uh, minerals and nutrients in the ground that cannot travel through the vine into the fruit and into the final wine and I think that's one pathway, and we, we, there's lots of papers say that that's, that's not possible. But we know from, from observation and from our work and lots of others' works that, that there's some, there is something to it, and there is something to do with the quality and the, the texture of that tannin and the, the style of the wine you get at the end of the day. Mm. It's fascinating. Um, so it's a great-looking little um, cellar door, little, um, great-looking cellar door. Uh, yeah. it's, it's in an old um, 
It's in an old, you know, one of the original um, buildings, probably, I think it was the barn from the sort of 1850s. Um, yep. And people can come and see you sort of around the weekend time. So Friday and Monday plus Saturday and Sunday. So um, yep. just that four-day weekend window. Um, it's really, it's a, such a interesting thing to, to be um, following. Um, I mean, the, the Polygon wines, they're not cheap. It's, you know, 295 bucks, um, which is, you know, up there with, with the bottles on sale in Australia. Um, sure. Are you, obviously you can't open those uh, every day without um, some sort of um, system to, to keep the air out? Or do you actually have them on tasting? Um, well, I, I guess just we probably see those wines as our research project. You know, right. those, those are, we make tiny quantities between mm. 30 and 45,000, really, of those wines um, of three different polygons. And they are for the, those that are super interested in, in getting really into the rock. Really nerdy um, <laughs> into the, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the rock geeks and the dirt nerds. And um, I guess below that, there's a wine that we're incredibly proud of, the, the Old Quarter, which is yeah. um, the distillation of that old part of the vineyard. It has a blend, a Grenache, has a Matara blend, and using some of the polygons and, and all of the work we've done there. Um, and I guess that's probably our flagship wine at $100. Uh, and then a, a range of 35 and 47.50. So you can come and taste um, up to the the, um, the old quarter level in a flight of wines with some cheese and charcuterie. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will also, um, if you want to visit the vineyard, if you want to taste the polygons, if you want to get into the winery, we have ex- sort of experiences that, that you can look into do on yeah, that right. front. And we do have a micro terroir that you can do at a higher cost that will open um, some polygons. And we, we use, um, use Coravan for, for that. Yep. Um, and we find that we, we get some... We, it, it certainly doesn't stay the same forever, and it depends on, obviously, how much is taken out of the bottle. But um, we, we can get a couple of weeks um, from, from those bottles. Yeah, um, which, which it makes it it's feasible to do. Um, yeah. yeah. Even at... The old quarter at a hundred dollars. It's not, you know, you just can't. It's not feasible if you're tipping out a half a half a bottle every few days or a couple of days. Exactly. It's just yeah. not. So you need enomatic or Coravin, which is um, for anyone who doesn't know, is it's essentially a surgical needle goes through the cork or, or a special membrane that's screwed on, uh, and then it keeps the air out. And it, it's got argon gas again. Is yeah. It? Yeah. So it, it puts a little bit of argon in after it's drawn off some wine. So it just keeps the air out. It's um yeah, they 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 have changed things for for restaurants and and salads oh, completely, haven't yeah. they? Um, yeah, they have. Yeah. Um, Dan, it sounds unreal, and uh, so I think everyone should definitely put this new kid on the block on their list when they go to Barossa. Um, I always say when you go to Barossa, you've you know, you've got a list of all the old favourites and it's very difficult to remove any of those, so you sort of need to keep adding days. <laughs> so when you want to add um, uh, Elkina wine to your list, um, yeah, but you must. Yeah. I think uh, that's very exciting. And, and I love the, the experience thing where you can go and sort of touch and feel the, the soil and that sort of exactly. thing. And, um, mate, well done. And uh, it must be exciting to, to be there and, and to really start, um, yeah, you know, traveling along this uh, this journey. Um, when just last question: When will um, 
So the soil whisperer, as they call him, Pedro, uh, when will he be finished with all of the mapping? Would it be another few years, do you think? Is it a yeah. Sort of, yeah. yeah, we've we've really only mapped probably about a sort of fifth or sixth of the vineyard at this stage. So we'll keep going, and there's still certainly areas that we know that's a very sort of undulating um, uh, topography that we know there's, there's rock in certain parts, and, and we'll, we'll get to those with time. But sadly, he's not able to come and see us at the moment, but he has just released his book, um, which is a pretty fascinating journey throughout his work in different um, wine regions around the world. So we'll have a few copies of that arriving in April. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty impressive piece of work. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Uh, well, let's uh, let's keep in touch so that we can follow the progress um, and listeners can yeah, can, uh, can yeah hear the, the new things as they're as they're happening. Um, no maybe, problems maybe with the. Maybe sorry? you can bring the show over. One well, day. that would be awesome. Yeah, no, we we would love to. So, um, look out. I might just take you up on that offer. <laughs> Um, we do it from out uh, at one of the diggings or something. But, uh, yeah, um, mate, great. Thank you. And uh, enjoy your afternoon. And I appreciate you, you coming into work to to have this chat. Fantastic. Good. All right. Thank you very much. Simon. See you, mate. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.